0: Good morning church, great to be with you this morning, great to have you with us as well. Turn to somebody near you and say, you look pretty good this morning. Do that, would you? Just tell them that. Maybe somebody needs to hear that. I don't know if they feel good, but they look good. If you're joining us at home, you look great to me. And uh, we hope that you're being uh, carried along in our service as well. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to wrap up a, a short series as we begin again this new year, talking about new beginnings, the things that God is stirring within you. And uh, next week we launch into another series called Stubborn Prayer. Stubborn Prayer out of the book of Daniel. Really excited about uh, taking us as a church on a journey as we head toward the Easter season and then we're going to transition again. So really excited about what these next several months have in store for us in our study of God's Word. Tammy and I, in fact, it was probably my decision because it probably impacted me the most, about a year and three months ago uh, decided to give up uh, cable TV. We just decided we're tired of paying the bill uh, we still have the high-speed internet. We need it for work and those types of things. And, and uh, I was on there trying to negotiate. I was giving them the sad story. I said, I got a son, just went to college. I got to get this thing down. And it just wasn't doing it. They weren't biting what I was trying to get them to bite on. And so finally, I just said, you know what? Go ahead, cancel it. And I was sure they'd come running back. They didn't. But anyway, uh, we are without cable TV. And so, but we have, you know, we're able to watch stuff. We watch Netflix and we already had the Amazon Prime and the Netflix and stuff. So, I mean, there's stuff we can watch. But if, if you happen to be of one of those, how many of you tend to just stream a lot of stuff? You know, that's kind of how you do it? Oh, not very many. Oh, you're the ones who still bought into cable TV. But anyway, that's all right. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, you're always looking for something new to watch, right? Because it's kind of like you watch things. Probably that you wouldn't even watch before. I went back to 2004. I watched all seven seasons of Monk for goodness sake. I mean, I I was desperate to look for something, and and so uh, anytime we found a good show, our kids we we share. Hey, we saw this; thought you might like it. Hey, we saw this; might like it. So I come home the other night, and Tammy and Wesley were actually already watching something, and it was called Flip Wars. Flip Wars. I think it's only like one season. I can't remember what what it's on. I think it's on Amazon. And uh, it, it's, it's this competition between three, uh, they're not couples, they're partners, but two of them are couples and the other ones have just been business partners. But they buy and they renovate and then they flip houses uh, down, on the, uh, down in Florida, just south of Sarasota area. And so these folks, they go in and what they do is they go in and they can only look at the outside of the house um, and then they go to this auction, and they get a bid on a house, sight unseen on the inside, on where they think they can make money, and then they kind of compete against each other to see who does nicest job, but also who makes the most money. And so it's kind of one of those things, and they're, they're friends, and yet there's a little bit of trash talking between them. And it's crazy, because guys will go in, and and gals will go in, and they'll bid, you know, 250000 $300,000 on a house, That they think could be worth as much as a half million if they renovate it They don't know what they're gonna find and here's what they do they walk inside It's always the same thing. Oh my word or or the smell will be terrible or there'll be Junk all over and there'll be mold on the wall and they always will find things They weren't quite expecting they were gonna find and if you've ever done any kind of a, a building project especially a renovation project I have learned, in fact, I learned early on, is that normally it's going to take a little longer than you thought it was going to take. It's going to take a little It's a little bit more work than you thought it was going to take. And it takes a lot more money than you thought it was going to take. But once you get into this thing, you start to fight the, dis, the discouragement factor if things start going wrong. Uh, in my house that we were doing when Tammy and I bought our first house, we bought the worst house <laughs> that you could imagine. We, basically, it passed the smell test. I, I went in, it stunk, and I knew that we could afford it. It was that kind of a thing. And we just had one thing after another go wrong on this thing. In fact, my brother is a plumbing uh, expert, and I said, I'm just going to buy him a bed because there was always something that had to be replaced. And I remember there was a point three, four days in where I was just doing demolition. There was mirrors all across one wall. There was paneling on, on this wall, different color paneling on another wall. We had already tore out all the carpet. It had been a lot of, of animals in that house, and it had smelled bad. And I just remember, I in fact, one night I went home. I was about 18 hours a day was what I was working on this house. And after my third 18-hour day of just trying to clean this house out, I left an old metal box fan running. Just I left and said, Lord, do me a favor. Burn this thing down before I come back tomorrow morning. It's just how you feel, you know. But if you don't give up, normally things will work out pretty good. That's what it is whenever you're in a big project like that. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah's in a big project. In fact, he's in a great project for the Lord. In chapter 2, he says, we're doing a great work for the Lord. The people understood this was a significant work. Chapter 9, uh, he says, man, I'm in a great work for the Lord. They understood that they're attempting a great work for the Lord. And some of you maybe have been challenged, as we've talked about begin again, to begin some things again. Maybe it's in your personal journey of faith. Maybe it's in your devotional life. Maybe, maybe it's in a marriage relationship or, or some other relationship. Maybe it's been a, a call to ministry. In fact, first hour when I was praying, I really sensed there was someone who had stepped out of ministry, out of the ministry, that God was calling to step back in and re-engage. What, whatever it is that God is stirring on your heart, you deal with the rubble because you've got to have a clear foundation. You've got to clean that away. But I promise you, the enemy is going to try to discourage you. Because anything that is great that is attempted for God in our personal life or in relationships with others, why would we not anticipate that the enemy is going to come against us? And in chapter 4, chapter 4 is all about the tactics that the enemy uses to try to discourage those who are doing a great work for the Lord. Now for, because of time, we can't read the whole thing, but we're going to read a lot of it. Chapter 4, verse 1. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said what they are building, if even a fox climbed on it, he would certainly break down that wall of their stones. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back onto their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or Or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. And so we built the wall till it reached half of its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night. That's a great phrase, by the way. We're not going to hunker in there today, but that in and of itself is just a great lesson. We prayed to God and we posted a guard. We did what we could, but we looked to the God who could do what we could never do. It was an incredible concept. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out. There's so much rubble, we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said that before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them, and we will kill them and we'll put an end to their work. And then the Jews who lived near them came and they told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and their spears and their bows. Let's jump ahead. Verse 19. Actually, I'm going to go to verse 18. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. And then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and it's spread out, and we are widely separated from each other all along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, come and join us. Our God will fight for us. And so we continued with the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn until the stars came out. And at that time, I said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve as guards by night and workmen by day. Get that phrase. Guards at night, workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took our clothes off. Each of us had his weapon even when he went out for water. Now, it's interesting because when you look down through this passage, in fact, there are, every time I read it, more things jump out to me. It's interesting that there are three tactics the enemy used then and the enemy uses today, and it is, it's almost like he just simply keeps on repeating the same old factors. But sometimes if something works, you just keep on doing it, and the enemy just understands that these things tend to work in people's lives. And so we need to be aware of them so that we can guard our own souls and guard our own hearts in this great work. we're doing for god the first tactic that the enemy will use to discourage you are people right we got that right we don't understand that sometimes people can be our greatest discouragement when we're trying to begin again and sometimes it's the people who just openly personally attack us that's that's what happened in this passage in fact it's interesting the people who attack us that we know are going to attack us almost we can kind of prepare for Notice what he says in this passage when it says that, that Ammoniah and Tobiah, or I'm sorry, Sambalot and Tobiah, they came and they said, what are you doing? You can't do this. If, if anything, you, it's just simply trash talk. If a fox even gets on your wall, it's going to destroy it. And the whole idea of it is found in verse 9 when it says, they are all trying to frighten us. And the enemy will use people in your life to just basically say you'll never do it. In fact, most times they won't even come at you that clearly. They'll simply be a discouragement factor that you've tried this before, you'll fail again, and it becomes this discouragement that tends to, to trip us up if we're not aware of it. But I don't think those are the worst, although we all have probably faced direct attacks. It's the well-meaning warnings that miss their mark. It's the people who who suggest they're trying to do you a favor, but in the end, they're just discouraging you. Notice what it says that the Jews, verse 11 and 12, it says that the Jews who lived near them, the enemy, came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So what happens is the enemy are sowing lies by saying we're going to show up and we're going to attack and kill them. And the enemies aren't the ones that come and say that to Nehemiah and the leadership. It's the Jews, the friends, the people who are part of the family who hear that. They then go to Nehemiah and to the leadership And they, it says 10 times over, they gave in to the fear of the lies of the enemy and now they began to spread the fear and the lies of the enemy. And I got to tell you, the ones who give good intentioned warning but basically are just discouraging, it's amazing how the enemy can use them. Are you catching what I'm laying down here? Who was it? David, I think he said. If an enemy attacked me, I could cope but it's you my brother the one in who I used to go into the house of worship with the throng of people it's you and sometimes that just is such a discouragement and what's interesting is the enemy knows how to hit us when we're at our absolute weakest with one of those little unintended barbs that just tend to deflate that show I was telling you about uh, flip wars so far I only know three couples business partner a couple guys that are business partners and then the others are are couples and it didn't take us more than about an episode to realize there's one woman we don't like in fact Wesley who likes just about everybody looked over at me and he said you know dad I don't like that woman and I said you know Wesley I don't either she's she's pretty good at what she does she's pretty gifted at decor and all that kind of stuff she's got this attitude and every time she shows up she gives a compliment but she always masks the compliment or she she gives a compliment but she wraps it in a criticism and so she'll say "Um, wow I would have never put those two colors together. But it seems to work. Um, <clears throat> wow. <laughs> this looks better than I thought you guys could do. I No kidding, all the time. I didn't think you guys had it in you. But i got to tell you, you guys must have spent a lot of money. I can't say you're going to make any money on this thing. And in Jesus' name, I don't like that woman. <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, I root against her. I don't really like her very much because how many of us like people who give a compliment but wrap it in a criticism? By the way, I learned a long time ago, it takes, they say, about 10 positives to undo one negative. And so what do you do when you constantly have a negative that kind of backs up every positive? It just deflates you, doesn't it? And you got to be aware of that stuff. People are people, and people do that stuff. And sometimes people do it because they've been hurt, like Sam ballot. Sometimes they do it because they don't know any better. They just give in to fear. But if you're going to begin again, you just have to realize there's always going to be people the enemy tries to use to discourage you. By the way, I love how Nehemiah prays. He says this. He goes, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Verse four: Turn their insults back into their own heads. I love that he prays a he prays a boomerang prayer. He prays that now. I realize Jesus says love those who curse you, and and uh, Paul says that to, to, if your enemy comes, give them water. But even Paul understands that by giving your enemy water, by being kind to them, you're heaping coals of in you're you're heaping their insults back on their own heads. I love how 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 Nehemiah does this. It's actually the same way David prayed is that, Lord, they are laying a trap for us, and all I'm praying is that whatever trap they laid for us, would they fall into their own trap. Lord, they're giving curses and insults, and I'm just praying a broom and ring prayer. Lord, if they bless us, I just pray you'd just pour back blessing. And, oh, by the way, if they throw sticks and stones, I pray that it'd break their windows. Just, just do that. And there's something really biblical about that concept. In fact, in the book of Esther, I don't know how many of you know the book of Esther, but there is a, there's a guy in Esther who's kind of the villain. His name is Haman. And he is specifically trying to take out a Jewish man by the name of Mordecai. And he has these gallows built to hang Mordecai from. And in the end of Esther, Haman is hanged from the very gallows that he had built for Mordecai. And it is amazing that when we entrust things to the Lord, the Lord tends to bring about what is right. Number two, sometimes we're discouraged by our own human limitations. It's just personal limitations. I mean, the, the personal limitations can be a lot of different things, but it's, the one that I see in this passage that I think really hits them is this idea of fatigue. You know, there's only so much they can do. This is a huge project. Um, In fact, this is somewhere between 3 and 4 miles of repair work that is somewhere between 20 and 30 feet tall that is somewhere between 6 and 12 feet wide. This is all rock other than where the timbers are used to be able to shore it up, to be able to give framework to it. Where the, where the gates and the doors are at, you have to use wood for that. That's why some of the rubble was being burned, right? It wasn't the stone that was burning. It's just that the things that were kind of anchoring it together were burning. But it's interesting how our own personal limitations can kind of def- discourage us now i want you to see some things and i i, I it's interesting through this passage some things you know I, I know number one that they didn't get very much sleep because it says that they would work during the day by the way from morning when the first light came out until the stars came out. So somewhere, now if you're in, if you're in Michigan uh, during uh, December, that's about eight hours, right? But, but I'm guessing that somewhere between 14 and 18 hours of daylight, they're working the entire time. At night, when they're supposed to be sleeping, they're posting guards. So they didn't sleep very much. They didn't eat very well because they were in a famine. That's found in chapter 5, verse 1 through 3, where they say the people are crying out for hunger. They they were in a famine. They didn't rest very well, which is this. Do you know what it's like when you're not necessarily working, but all you can do is think of work? Any of you ever done that? It's it's when you're in that constant sense of tension, so they know they're going to be attacked at any time, or they could be attacked at any time, There is a fatigue factor when there's an old leadership uh, proverb that says that when the bow is bent too long, it'll eventually break. The idea is when you take a bow and you put a string on it, you've got to undo it once in a while, or else if it's constantly tense, it's just going to snap. And there is something about when you never pull back. And if you've been in constant illness, if you've been in constant Stress, if you've been under constant threat, constant attack, there is something in our humanness that just becomes really fatigued. And so when I look down through here, they, in fact, they didn't even change their clothes. It says in verse 23, he says, I never even changed my clothes, which I'm just thinking, hmm, I bet it smelled a little bit at the work site. That's just kind of what I was thinking. That's what came to me. You know, all these guys are they're smelling a little bit. Why? Because we couldn't take our clothes off, because just in case we were attacked. Over this last season, a number of our family, various times, have come down with the COVID virus. Tammy and I actually went through it back in early November. And we had probably one of the, I don't know what everybody's experience is, but we were in that fortunate group that had, we had it, we were sick, but it didn't really take us, I mean, it knocked us out for about seven days. We have good friends that, man, for two weeks and some for three. They were just down. And obviously, all of us know probably a family that's been impacted much more severe than that. And uh, when we were going through it, it was interesting because I had about four days where I was just kind of didn't really, I never really had a fever much, but just was tired. Man, I always, the way I describe it is that um, I slept, I slept really well. I slept hard. Until about 7.30 in the morning, boom, I'd wake up, I'd get up, I'd have a bite to eat, have a cup of coffee, I'd do my devotions just in time for me to take my morning nap at 9 o'clock. And then I would take a morning nap till 10 10.30 or 11. I would get up, I would eat, have some meetings, do some Zoom calls, just in time for me to take my early afternoon nap at around 1.30 or 2. And then I'd sleep until about 4 where I would get up and I did really well until about 6.30 or quarter till 7 when I said, okay, I got to go to bed. And I would go back in and I would, I would sleep till the next. That's just how it was for me. And I had some friends that I was checking up on and just said, hey, how you doing? And you know, if you didn't get any response, you knew they weren't doing so well. And and uh, there was one that probably for two, almost three weeks was really hit by this whole thing. And, and um, finally, I was texting to see how they were doing. They said, you know, man, am I ever going to get over this? And so I just said, no, you're, you're going to make it. And I gave them kind of an idea. Your energy will come back one day for about four hours, and it'll come back, and then it'll come back. It'll take about four days for your energy to start, you know, coming. And I said, that's just how it was for me. But you'll be okay. You're going to make it. And, but I could hear it in the text. is this ever going to end? And there's a discouragement in that. By the way, what was really interesting about Nehemiah, because they built this thing in 52 days, that's a lot of work. It is interesting, though, they did set boundaries. Each family did their own area. Nobody did everything. Everything. Nobody was expected to be at all places at all times. Some of us feel like we've got to do everything. And you know what? It's okay to realize there are limitations. And so each family took their own portion. The nobles took their family. That's how they dealt with it. Everybody worked with all their heart. Number four, three. And it's the last one. The enemy will use separation, loneliness, and isolation to discourage you. I want you to see it. It says it several times, but I want you to see what it says in verse 19. Then I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. We are widely separated from each other along the wall. Which means what? They were stationed, and there was enough room between their stationing that if the enemy wanted to step in and attack, they could. There's a tremendous power in unity and together. That's why the enemy always tries his best to divide and conquer. It struck me when we were having communion this morning. That makes perfect sense why Jesus said, I have eagerly desired to celebrate this Passover with you. Because he was under attack. He knew what was coming. And there's an encouragement by together. There's an encouragement in the body. And so what happens when you're beginning again and you get discouraged? We tend to pull back. We tend to isolate. We tend not to bring others in on the journey. And the enemy has a tremendous foothold. Some right now are on journeys where they're trying to rebuild a marriage relationship. But you don't want to bring anybody else on that journey with you. And I'll just tell you, there is something about a, A couple that is willing to come alongside and champion you some of you are trying to to rebuild again in your your personal journey with Christ and there is something about having others in your life who know the journey you're on and they can send you a text at the at the time when you least expect it when families go through loss one of the reasons that are we have a support ministry that's run through a counseling center for those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. Or here in the church with widow care, where there's, again, a, a support system for those who've lost a spouse. There's something about going on a journey with someone else and beginning again, especially if they know where you're at and you've gone through it. Divorce care, why is it encouraging? Well, the people in there primarily, they know what you're going through because they've gone through it. Addiction groups. Addiction groups. AA, Narcotics Anonymous, there's all kinds of different ones. What do they understand? That there's something about the support that comes with others. John Wesley, when he started the Methodist movement, which became the Methodist Church, but what it was famous for were his his groups. People would get together during the week and they they would hold each other accountable, they would pray with each other, they would talk about their areas of temptation. Wherever it is that you're beginning again, I'm just going to encourage you. The enemy will do everything he can to isolate you. You'll pull back. You'll pull back from God. You'll you'll, you'll be tempted to pull away from everyone else. And I, I just, I want to encourage you. There is something about allowing others to come alongside of you. By the way, did you notice how he handled it? You see, what they did is they had each family do their own portion, section of the wall. He says, we're really, we're really divided here. We're really spread out. So he kept the trumpeter next to him. He says, everybody else had swords. I kept the guy with the trumpet. Why? Well, here's what he says. Each of the builders wore his sword on his side, but the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. And then I said to the nobles, the work is extensive and spread out. We're widely separated from each other. Wherever wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Nehemiah understood the power of we the power of us the power of together even the labor he realized it's us working together all of us nobles you got to get off the chair and get up on the wall Nehemiah I'm up on the wall there's something about doing this together with all of our hearts but he says, but when you're in trouble, I'm going to show up with the guy with a trumpet and we're going to sound the trumpet and everybody is going ra- to rally to that area. Imagine if you had people in your life where if you sounded the trumpet, they would rally to your side. It's the power of together. It's the power of the journey. The wall represented. It represented more than a wall. It represented a people. And whatever it is that God has laid on your heart that's a great work for God, I you should anticipate resistance because anything that's great is going to get resisted. But you can do this. Why? Because God is in this journey why do I know that because he's the one who stirred it as you begin again let's pray father I thank you for this family and these people and I thank you how you take us on journeys and you challenge us But father I just believe that over these last several weeks there are some who have begun again I I think of I think of one who is on a new personal journey of purity They believe that you have called them to live in a manner and to put aside some things in their life and the enemy loves to just destroy them and loves to come after them and lord i pray for godly individuals in their life that they'd be willing just to share the journey with not going to be everybody but they're going to share the journey so that they can be an encouragement and some are battling and they're beginning again out of a a season of depression and discouragement and some are beginning again in a relationship whether it be marriage or family or, or or a brother or a sister or a co-worker some Lord, there are some that are they're sensing a call to step and reengage into ministry and some are being uh, sensed and called to whatever it is, Lord, I, I'm praying that you, the God of all courage, the one who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that, Lord, you would, you would come against the tactics of the enemy, expose him with the light of your word and in so doing, Lord, enable us to stay strong. As we begin again. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we celebrate you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.